Hello and welcome to Hey What Do I Know, a no-holds-barred video pod from the inquiring, somewhat disturbed, discerning mind of a free-speech-loving and best-life-living advocate, me, Arietta Hu. On here, we'll talk about all things society and culture, from music to fashion, social awareness, on-trend news topics, and, you know, my general musings on shit I find interesting. Most of the times, we're just beaming, because... I talk a lot, and other times I may have guests. This is, of course, topic dependent. But for now, grab a drink, grab a split, sit back, relax, and listen to me. Let's go. Yo, 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 how is everybody doing? I hope you guys are well. I know you hate me. I'm inconsistent. I'm having a laugh with these podcasts. Does she actually want to be a podcaster? I kind of want to do all these things, but you know, life happens. I'm searching for that coin. So I need to do the things that pay the bills. And yeah, this is kind of falling by the wayside. So do forgive me. Apart from that, it's cold. I hope you guys are getting ready for winter 19. She's not about to be your friend. So let's just jump quickly in. So for those of you who know the pod by now, you know what you're about to get into. And for any new listeners, I would say, Aquaba, welcome. How are you doing? You're about to listen to my views. I'm not trying to get anyone around to agree with me, but just to ponder my thoughts. So just bear with me a little, okay? Bear with me a little bit. So, in the last few weeks, so much shit's been happening in the world. A lot of things I want to talk about, but I've only decided to settle on three key topics, as I do normally, as as with the format of this pod. And, uh, yeah, like I said a few moments ago, let's just dive right in. Kanye West. Kanye, 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 Kanye. I know some of you are thinking, let me just switch off right now, while others are rolling their eyes, trying to side-eye me through your laptops or your phones or whatever device you're listening to this podcast from. Well, I would too. Three to four months ago, I talked about his Sunday services on the podcast, and I wasn't feeling the whole what seemed to me as some like Messiah complex thing that was going on. After all, this is the same guy who... Uh, two years ago, or the last few years, had been flip-flopping all over the place like a pair of bloody Havianas. I couldn't tell if Kanye was coming or going. But, you know, following him now, I mean, from, you know, from him wearing that MAGA hat to uh, serving as the creative director of Pornhub and then to releasing this Jesus is King album. Could this transformation be real? Or is it some sort of um, desperate bid to get back into the hearts of like black people who had like in quotes counseled Kanye after he started being pally with Donald Trump and um the thing for me at the time was that if the Sunday service was more about Jesus and not Jesus I was cool with it and turns out guys I believe this transformation in Kanye is real well I do believe so and just hear me out we should be able to give every human being the benefit of the doubt and first of all, in my case, as somebody who identifies as Christians, yes, you guys, I am. I am a Christian. I do identify as Christian. I know what it feels like to be judged when people don't think you fit into the mold of what a typical Christian is or what typical Christian should be. I'm doing those Joey Tribbiani in quote things. Um, I mean, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. 
I still have a foul mouth. And sometimes, you know, there is the herb, which I am fond of, indulging that. But I beg to differ because I know that inside I'm not the same. I'm not the same person I was a few years ago before I decided to on this transformation, you know. So with Kanye, you know, back to his whole ninth studio album, which is called Jesus is King, which was released uh, last uh, two weeks. It's not only bold of him to have called his album that, it's also revolutionary. Absolutely revolutionary. Because even if the transformation did not come uh, before he started making the album, it surely did come as he was making it and as it is now. So, like, I kind of listened to every song on the album. I've sat with the album for a week, you know. And I feel like not only is this Kanye's most clear and heartfelt album, it's another turning point for the culture, you know? Kanye's newfound faith has taken center stage and is letting the world know about his salvation. You know, Kanye's always influenced culture, you know. He worked on, you, you, know, you know, his influenced culture while dividing and uniting fans by his genius. So there's really nowhere else to describe Kanye West and what he does otherwise other than other than polarizing because that's exactly what he does. But him declaring his faith so openly, you've got people who don't even believe in God, like talking about Jesus as being king. And surely that is the message of the Bible, you know. And this album explores new but familiar territory for Kanye, you know, Kanye, for example, he's been going about Jesus for a while in all his albums. I mean, this album though it's the first kind of like you know gospel album well i wouldn't say the first because snoop dogg did a gospel album last year but it's the first like gospel album in the gospel tradition of using black choirs black backing choirs you know those choirs the choirs at sunday service i can only describe them as celestial that's how i imagine what angels sound like because they're perfect that choir led by the charismatic choir director jason white it helped. It helped with Kanye's transformation. Kanye and his listeners, you and I, you know, he's helping his listeners, you and I, should I say, embrace a more inspirational kind of music. You know, he's bringing Christian music mainstream. Let's just call it spade a spade. And that's what he's done. And like, for 10 months now, every Sunday, Kanye's held this Sunday service thing, you know, happily admitting that he's not perfect, but he wanted some sort of change. And the last few weeks, even watching Kim Kardashian's interview, you know, his wife's interview on The View, and he talked, she talked about the transformation being real, you know, like things happen in his house, conscious about what the kids are watching, taking all the TVs out of the kids' rooms, you know, not even letting Northwest wear makeup. I mean, I think that's a little extreme, but each to their own. It's like, who are we to judge if someone is saying that they're Christian now? Like, what's our business? We're not, you know, even Christians, this is a joke. Christians, like, we're the worst. We think Christians need to be a certain way, need to sound a certain way. And if they don't fall into the remit of, you know, that box of being Christian, they can't be Christian. Well, newsflash to those people, you're discriminating. And as a Christian, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to judge. You're not Jesus, are you? You're not. This is a guy, like, in my opinion, Kanye hit rock bottom two to three years ago. You know, the fact that he was talking about making America great again, wearing the MAGA hat, going to see Donald Trump, acting as creative director of Pornhub. I just thought, Jesus, this guy is suffering. I really did think he was suffering. To be fair, I think I have said it in more than one or two occasions that Kanye 
probably never got over his mom's death properly. And this was like the after effects of it all. So if this guy has hit rock bottom the last two years, you know, he said he was like $150 million in debt, etc., etc. Like that whole public embarrassment that he got, that's probably humbled him really quickly. Humbled him really quickly and probably propelled the search for something greater in his life. And he found Jesus. As long as he's saying Jesus and not Jesus, I am happy. I'm happy for Kanye because at the end of the day, this is not an easy decision to make at all. You know, even re talking about it myself, it makes me think about my journey. But, you know, we're not going to go into that today. But in my humble opinion, if I was to take like some sort of guess in the dark, I think that Kanye found Jesus when he needed Jesus. So we just enjoy the music and get on with things. Support him from afar or not. Kanye will still be Kanye. For me, you need to listen to this songs on the album called Follow God, which he was talking about a conversation he had with his dad. I absolutely love that song. And he's got another song on there uh, featuring Kenny G. Like, what the? Like, where did you find Kenny G in 2019? That guy's playing his sax or his flute or whatever instrument that he just played. It just like brought me back to my childhood when my parents used to listen to Kenny G by proxy. And in Nigeria, when I was growing up as a child in Nigeria, we were forced to listen to Kenny G because it was on television. Like his music was the soundtrack to TV starting. So TV in Nigeria started at four o'clock every day. And before the TV program started, we were entertained by a musical array of Kenny G instrumentals. I will never forget. <laughs> Kenny G, you're famous in Africa. That's a left foot, just a sidebar there. So yeah, who are we to judge? We should just enjoy the album, listen to the music, and then, you know, live. Just as Kanye is trying to live. Let's live. Remember, judge not. Moving on. Just want to take this opportunity to... um you know, reflect on the demise of Solange's marriage. How sad is that? You know, I don't know what you all think, but I personally, I can't say I'm surprised. It is indeed sad in any case, but I'm not surprised. I mean, if you follow Solange or know anything about the creative being solo, is that she cannot be tamed and she always lives in her truth. You know, Solange and her husband, Alan Ferguson, split up a couple of months ago. And they only informed the general public two weeks ago. We were none the wiser until two weeks ago until Solange put up that Twitter post. And since then, there have been rumors of her having an affair with her manager, which she shut down very fast in true solo style. But we will never know the real reason why her five-year marriage collapsed. You know, there's no way we're gonna we're gonna know. Solange will not let us know. We still don't know what happened in the elevator where she kicked the shit out of Jigger. We don't know what's went on there. We can only speculate as to what happened. Knowing that family, they will double down and we'll never know. But in my own humble opinion, if I was to take a stab in the dark, a guess, if I was to guess, one of the main reasons will be that there was a flipping twenty-two-year age gap between them. Solange was 29 when she married and Alan was 51. Now, at 33, Solange is living her best life. She's 33 and Alan, bless him, he's now 56. So put it this, while some people will say like age ain't nothing but a number, ain't a big deal, rest in peace Aaliyah. 
Well, for someone who had a child at 17, Solange had a child at 17, she, she's done it all. And at 33, she probably just wants to live her best life. And, you know, she's probably going through a metamorphosis and a rediscovery of herself. And Allah, bless him, at 56, he's probably slowing down and wants to slow a pace of life. I can't blame him. I mean, I'm 40 and my husband is nine years older than me. And even in that, there are things I still want to do that he ain't feeling no more. So I do it without him. And that's just a nine year age gap. Can you imagine what it'd be like to have a 22-year age gap between you and your husband? I know, or you or, your, or you and your wife. I know there is this age gaps normally in relationships, but the fact that she had a child at 17, you know, it speaks volumes. You know, it doesn't mean that they fell out of love. It doesn't. It just means that they will have to love one another from afar for now. And of course, no one knows what the future holds for this couple. So instead of us speculating about why or who, we should just all be at peace with Solange's decision. I mean, we should be at peace and look forward to all the great music that's to come. Not being funny, that relationship produced Cranes in the Sky, that album, that Solange's album that rocked my whole world. The second album since then, it was okay, a bit too, you know, alter, like we say in Nigeria, alternative for me. However, there were a few things, songs I could pick up here and there and I could sing the melodies to. So personally, I'm just like not worrying too much about this whole situation, but being expectant. I'm looking forward to the music. <laughs> Another on a personal side, on a personal, personal side. Like it's a wake up call for me to stop admiring things or relationships that I've watched played out in the media. Because I remember that wedding so well. I remember seeing the pictures of her in that lovely white jumpsuit with a cape and Alan on a bike in New Orleans and everyone in formation in white and thinking, yeah, goals. Well, goals in some way yeah we got the picture taken but the marriage didn't last but you know i just want to say go on solo whatever you do you're going to be successful love you know get through the plane create through the plane and just release this a great album we all waiting you know change and evolution happens to us all people we just need to embrace it that's what i've been telling myself the last few weeks that's exactly what i've been telling myself so Back onto this Solange situation, you know, we can't really talk too much about it because like we say in Africa, those who live in glass houses, they don't throw stones, right? Moving on swiftly. Can we talk about this whole commercialization of Christmas? What is going on? Does it, does it not feel like Christmas is here quicker than it was when you were a child? As far as I can remember, Christmas seems to be coming like every six months over the last few years. It doesn't seem that there's a whole 12-year cycle. It just seems that before you look up, it's Christmas. Before you say anything, it's Christmas. And it could be because more and more, more and more, uh, or what I say, in recent years, I should actually say, that Christmas advertising started earlier. So we're 40-something-odd we're days onto Christmas, and, you know, if you're keeping in line with the retail global calendar, the big Christmas shopping push has already started. The ads are on television, you know, supermarkets are already full of Christmas food, you know, bits and bobs. It's like, why is it that in the Western world, Christmas preparations uh, and the countdown just like starts so early? 
apparently there is a term for this belief or this whole phenomenon, should I say, and it's called the Christmas creep. Um, I think that term is quite apt because this is exactly what happens to me every year. It literally creeps up on me and it seems as I've grown older and and, and, and as I've grown older, kind of speak, <laughs> Christmas is now like every six months. As a kid, I felt like Christmas was ages away. And, you know, those few days that you had for a Christmas holiday, it felt like a lifetime. Now, these days, it's kind of like we just had summer and then it's Christmas. It's like, how come? It was just like summer yesterday. Now it's Christmas. And that could be, you know, because all this commercialness around Christmas, the way the whole world has turned into this whole you know, the, the the world has turned Christmas into this one big commercial opportunity that showcases human greed at its worst. It's unbelievable to me. It's like the true meaning of Christmas is gone. No one thinks of Christmas as what it should really be. It's it's now synonymous with presents. I'm guilty of it. That these days, and not recently, this has been a while. Whenever people say Christmas to me, the first thing I think of is presents, gifts, glitter, shine, shine, sparkles. I don't even think about Jesus, that Jesus was born on Christmas time. It's mostly about the shine, shine, the sparkles, the gift, the glitter, and of course, the presents. This does not help matters, but supports the notion of commercialization. When the first adverts on Christmas come on our TV screens at the beginning of November. So like November 6th to 13th, peak time for adverts. So this whole freaking week has been peak time for TV adverts to come up. I mean, last week and this week. Peak time for adverts on TV. Like in the UK, for example, John Lewis. For those of you who don't know about John Lewis, it's a department store. John Lewis have their adverts every year. It comes out, you know, these amazing, heart-wrenching Christmas adverts come out every year between the 6th and the 13th of, Nove of November. That means they book this, uh, this timing in with TV media, like, ages in advance. This, of course, kickstarts the, the merchandising phenomenon. You know, the countdown to Christmas for retailers. You know, these TV ads that play on emotion and nostalgia, they're crazy. They start tugging your heartstrings so early on that you, by the time it's not Christmas time, you get like so exhausted from it all, you know. Here's a joke. I also read like places like Harrods in the UK open up their Christmas department as early as August. This is crazy. Now, you see all of this crescendo, this, all of this stuff is reaches a crescendo at the end of November, which is Black Friday, which is another opportunity for gluttonous behavior, you know, spread to the rest of the world by America, the sidebar. Peeps, you guys always send us your rubbish. Thank you so much for that. Cheers. It's absolutely crazy. So the growing trend, the growing Americanization of Christmas has led to the commercialization of Christmas. So I want everybody to think about that while you start going crazy with the whole Christmas shopping. I'd like to see a reduction in all of this gluttony and the craziness around Christmas personally, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Anyway, everyone celebrates Christmas, so that's a good thing. I still think there should be more effort to get people to remember the true meaning of Christmas, though, whether you believe or not. You get me? Remember what Christmas is all about. Can't help. It can't hurt. It can't hinder. Just to remember what Christmas is all about and focus on being good and focus on being kind and spreading good cheer instead of like worrying so much about the glitter, the glitz, the sparkles, the presents. You know, it's better to actually give than to receive. <laughs> That's what I tell myself, but it's not true. <laughs> so we're gonna have two goats of the episode. I'll start with the first one. Alicia Bethmore, aka Pink, you know, she's been around on the scene 
since she crashed onto it in the late 90s, early 2000s with her hit song, There You Go. There you go, looking beautiful. Was it pitiful? Just because I let you go. That was a tune, tune and a half. And for me, I can remember very well first hearing that song and thinking, this lady is badass, this lady is badass. Just scrolling through pictures uh, on Instagram recently, it made me realize that she has come a long way. And the most consistent thing about Pink is that she's been true to herself. True to herself even meant her leaving La Face Records on Atlantic Records, which was a big record company, you know, where she was signed to because they tried to pigeonhole her into a box on the kind of music that she could make. This lady just wanted to be creative. She just wanted to create music, whatever the genre, and she's successfully done that. I mean, she's covered of rock, pop, R&B, ballads, you know, she likes a bit of a slow one. And uh, every song she does, it seems that it comes with a conscience. And that's one of the reasons why I love Pink. I love Pink especially because she has gone out of her way to do it for the underdog. She's always stood up for courses she believed in. And she's just done it no matter what. You know, she was talking about, you know, support for the LGBTQ community before it was, you know, mainstream. She's fought for the rights for artists to, you know own their creativity she's just done really cool stuff in making people feel confident in their own identity and not try to be anybody else and that's one of the reasons why i applaud pink she's also just blossomed into this cool earth mother you know i look at her and her interaction with her kids and think gosh pink you can be my mommy any day you know <laughs> she's absolutely a free spirit and I, I i love her so i want to be like pink when i eventually grow up <laughs> and um the next person I want to shout out is, of course, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart is one of my top 10 comedians of all time. And the fact that he's recovering from a really bad car crash from two months ago, and I've seen him like still putting in the work, hats and weaves go off for Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart began his career on the um, amateur comedy circuit in Philadelphia. And his first breakthrough movie uh, sorry, film, he was casted by Jude Apatow. You know Jude Apatow, the guy who was famous for producing 40-year-old Virgin, Knocked Up, Superbird, and a cult of other funnies. And that was literally Kevin's way. And Kevin got the way in, and he's not stopped grinding since then. As far as I'm concerned, he's like one of the hardest working guys in show business. He's an actor, he's a singer, he's a comedian, he's a host. He's Mr. Show Up and Show Out. And I know a lot of people find him annoying. I do to some extent. However, he's one of those people who seems to be grateful for the success that they have and they work hard every day to ensure that this success isn't just a flash in the pan. He's like properly on it every day, even through this, you know, even through getting back on his feet again after this accident, you can see him. He's released a video of him like trying to get back uh, you know, on the road to his recovery from the accident. And when you look at the car wreck that he was in, you know, the wreck that he was pulled out of, you think this Kevin Hart definitely has got a guardian angel. You would also agree that he's got some sort of purpose. And to me, I believe that Kevin Hart was sent here to inspire a young generation of black kids, black men, to let them know it's okay to work hard because hard work will pay off. It's okay to grind and hustle cleanly. Yeah? And... He's also found the love of exercise. I mean, if he can't grow tall, he can always grow buff. And big up Kevin, a.k.a. Little Rock. Keeping it sweet with the quote of the episode. A dream doesn't become reality through magic. It takes sweat, determination and hard work. 
A dream doesn't become reality through magic. It takes sweat, determination and hard work. Yes, no magic wand, no voodoo or juju can get you to your dream. You gotta sweat for it. Yeah? This podcast was brought to you by me, researched by me, edited by me, put together by me. Everything me, 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 sponsored by me. It's a me, 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 me enterprise. Thank you for listening. These are my thoughts. These are my musing. When you think about it, what the hell do I know? This much I fucking do. (laughs) 